Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode was sponsored by Girls Can Crate, a unique subscription box inspiring girls to believe that they can be and do anything. Real women make the best heroes, and every month they deliver them to your front door. And by Jill Harrigan, Heather McKinnon, Ellen Gross, Valerie Jacobson, Chantelle Oliver, Jamie Lang, Maria Sanchez, Mandy Booty, Monique Harris-Pixado, Caitlin McTaggart, Craig Williamson, Molly Sharp, Leanne Glozenski, Mary Corbett, Kendra Graham, and Sarah Demetrides. Thank you so much for being our sponsors. We couldn't do it without you. Hi, Olivia. Hi, Katie. You've heard of the Emancipation Proclamation? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. And you've heard of the Declaration of Independence? Yes. <laughs> but have you heard of the proclamation by His Excellency, the Right Honorable John, Earl of Dunmore, His Majesty's Lieutenant and Governor General of the Colony and Dominion of Virginia and Vice Admiral of the same? I sure have not. And I, <laughs> Darn, I was feeling pretty smart there. <laughs> it's an amazing document. Poorly branded, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> well, that title I, needed some work. Yeah. Because that title is the guy in Hamilton that's standing on the soapbox getting mocked by Hamilton. That's Yeah. Not, yeah. You can't make uh, a rap musical out of that. I don't know. Could you? Could you? Maybe you, you could, could, but it doesn't sound like you could. His Excellency, the Right Honorable John Earl of Dunmore, that's His Majesty's true. Lieutenant and Governor General of the Colony and Dominion of Virginia and Vice Admiral of the same. That's true. It would have been one that would have been like only David Diggs could do it because it's so fast. Yeah. <laughs> and to me, this is the most incredible and dramatic part of the American Revolution. And I never learned about it in school. Yeah. Never heard of this Lord Dunmore and his proclamation. I mean, it's basically, it's the Emancipation Proclamation. But in 1775, wow. he freed everyone enslaved by rebelling colonies. <laughs> And he said, if you can get to me, I've got a ship waiting and I'll get you out of here. Whoa. Or you can join the British army and fight a war against your enslavers. <laughs> but at the time, the rebels are Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Peyton Randolph. And these guys are trumpeting liberty as well. Mm. And these guys are having deep conversations into the night at Peyton Randolph's dining room table, <laughs> just hashing out freedom, rights, equality. And right at the center of all of this is an enslaved woman named Eve. Hmm. She lived in Peyton Randolph's house as the revolution was brewing, her house was also just down the street from the palace of His Excellency, the Right Honorable Earl Dunmore, Governor of Virginia. <laughs> Eve was in it. She is right at the epicenter of all of it. Wow. And what does the American Revolution look like when you are enslaved? 
<laughs> and when you're surrounded by all these great men, these founding fathers who are proclaiming what liberty looks like, mm. it was a high stakes time. High <laughs> stakes. And Eve knew it, and she made her move. Cool. And this is how it happened. I'm Katie Nelson. And I'm Olivia Mickle. And this is What's Her Name? Fascinating women you've never heard of. I went to the Peyton Randolph house in Colonial Williamsburg, and this is the house where it all went down. And I met with Julie Richter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Julie Richter. I'm the director of the National Institute of American History and Democracy at William and Mary, and a lecturer in the history department at William and Mary. And we run a pre-college program for high school students, and we drive them all around Virginia. And then we have a program for William and Mary students focusing on um, material culture and public history. And isn't that a dream to study colonial history in Williamsburg? Oh, yeah. Ah, it's an amazing place. That's your if favorite you place. <laughs> ah, listeners, if you haven't been there, trust me, just go. Wow. We were smack in the middle of a living history town. <laughs> you got drummers, passing carriages, wind, birds, the whole shebang. So I apologize in advance for the sound. I've been pondering Eve and everybody else at this site for... Mm, a long time. <laughs> um. Eve lived in the center of town in the Peyton Randolph house. You wouldn't know just walking past it, but this house is a huge deal. Mm. That part is the original house uh, built in the late 1710. So it is one of the oldest houses still standing in Williamsburg and one of the first, if not the first, two-story domestic house. It says something in the 17-teens if you have a two-story house. Yeah, that is the floor plan. And it used to be, decades ago, that we would highlight such houses because they're the homes of the great men, the founding <laughs> fathers of America. Right. And this was the home of the great Peyton Randolph. And if you've never heard of him, I hadn't either, <laughs> which is crazy. History is fickle. Yeah. He was bigger than George Washington. Whoa. He was Speaker of the House of Burgesses. So getting the most prominent you know, Virginia-born political leader. Yeah. Uh, so he outranked George Washington at this point. Uh, residents of Williamsburg referred to him as the father of our country before George Washington. <laughs> so yeah, he's a huge, huge deal. But starting about 20 years ago, historical preservation and interpretation has dramatically broadened its lens. And... Now we're focusing on what can this house tell us about the time and about everyone who lived there. Because <laughs> this is my absolute favorite place. Really? At Colonial Williamsburg because the stories that you can tell with it. You... Mm -hmm. So I became very intrigued with all of the enslaved people at this property. And this was a place that needs to be understood to then understand how the rest of the city could agree to revolution. What if you got to witness the American Revolution at its birth? Mm. <laughs> what if you got to overhear 
all the discussions about liberty and freedom. Yeah. But the reason you're witnessing it is because you are enslaved. So this is the story of the American Revolution, but from the perspective of Eve. At the time, 52.4% of the population of Williamsburg was enslaved. Jeez. And the painfully ironic thing is, we have lots of records about particular individuals who were enslaved Hmm. because they were property. Yeah. No records of poor white folks. Right. Tons of records of enslaved folks. Okay, so where can we begin with Eve? She first appears when Peyton Randolph marries Betty Harrison. Both of them are from prominent Virginia plantation families. Betty Harrison is like the belle of the ball. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Betty Randolph grew up in Charles City County, and her family, the Harrison family, was also quite prominent. Her brother signed the Declaration of Independence, was a governor of Virginia. Uh, So, and the president, um, William Henry Harrison and Benjamin Harrison, are descended from her family. So our best guess is that Eve came with Betty. My interpretation is that she was born, or at least her mother was from the plantation where Betty Randolph grew up. And she came to Williamsburg when Betty Harrison married Peyton Randolph. Eve could have been anywhere from late 20s, maybe even to early 40s, Mm. but certainly very skilled. Eve works in the house. She works alongside a man named Johnny. Eve, Mrs. Randolph's personal attendant, and Johnny, Peyton Randolph's personal attendant, would have been in and out of the house every day. From Peyton Randolph's inventory, uh, we know that Eve she was valued at 100 pounds, which is... is back a, then? Back then. Wow. Yes. And this is just before the inflation of the revolution has taken off. So it's... She's valued at 100 pounds. Uh, Johnny was valued at 100 pounds. Betty, the enslaved cook, was 100 pounds. So, hmm. so we know she's skilled. She's at the top of the hierarchy of the enslaved mm-hmm. community. We have no physical description of Eve, but we do have one of Johnny, thanks to a runaway slave newspaper ad. Mm. Gotta love those. Johnny was 5'7". He had straight hair, mixed race, gray eyes. Hmm. And we know that Eve had a son named George. His valuation suggests he's in that 8 to 12 age range. Mm. He's listed individually in the inventory, so he's old enough to, to work, to have some labor assigned to him on a, on a daily basis. Mm. Even though they were on the same property, they may not have spent a lot of time together, huh. depending on what um, Betty Randolph required Eve to do. We don't know who the father is of George, hmm. because according to the legal status of slaves, it's irrelevant. Right. Your mother is the only thing that matters. Mm -hmm. So maybe the father lived nearby. We don't know. We don't Mm -hmm. know anything. The year is 1774. Movers and shakers in the colonies are wrestling with the idea of liberty. Mm -hmm. 
And Peyton Randolph is foremost among them. Letters are coming and going from his house. High status guests are constantly coming to stay. And Eve, she hears it all. She is in the house Mm. all the time. She is in it. When Thomas Jefferson wrote the summary view of the rights of British North America, he gave it to his personal slave, Jupiter, to bring to the Randolph house. Mm. And we know that the summary view of the rights of British North America was read out loud in this house in August. So, without any air conditioning, the windows are open, right? I think the enslaved are outside listening to this. And this is when Jefferson writes that, the, that Britain is treating the colonies as enslaved and that they feel enslaved to Great Britain. I mean, just the, just the ideas that as were discussed here and the knowledge that these 27 enslaved men, women, and children had and how their daily lives took them throughout the city to share what's going on in these discussions. It's highly likely that she could read. Julie Richter thinks she probably even could write. Hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I think, but can't prove, that Eve could write Hmm. and read. Wow. And part of it is, you may not want to show that you have this ability. Yeah. His house was a, a key spot Politically, before the revolution, is if the royal governor dissolved the House of Burgesses, is that, you know, I don't like what you're doing, go home. A lot of discussions took place right here in this house. Hmm. So all those letters from um, the committees of correspondence that would have been sent among the colonies would have been delivered here, Hmm. not to the capital. These are some big, dangerous ideas. You don't just get up one day and go, I think I'll just have a full-on revolution here, you know? It takes them 13 years after the end of the French and Indian War to actually declare independence. It's, you know, it's, it's a big deal. It, that, I mean, at any point, overthrowing your government is kind of a, a big deal. But, you know, in the 18th century, the king is where he is because God put him there at the top of the social order. And the fascinating twist is... As Julie Richter says, enslaved people here at the Peyton Randolph house, they knew way more than most white Virginians did. Mm. They knew way more than almost everybody else Mm. did. And yeah, I think that's part of why I like this place, because it is it is the story of the revolution. And how do you decide what it means to you as Peyton Randolph, as I said, you know, president of the Continental Congress, his brother was a loyalist and left Williamsburg in the summer of 1775 to go to England, never returned. And then his brother's son stayed and was one of George Washington's early aides. Edmund Randolph was the first attorney general under the Constitution. So yeah, there's choices, debates. I just think of the amazing conversations that took place in that dining room. And all the enslaved on this property would have known everything that was said in those conversations. There there would have been um, boys standing at attention during the meals to serve. There would have been 
an enslaved man as well. Williamsburg is this place of words. This is you know, the capital of the colony. This is where all the laws that control every aspect of life are passed. This is where the newspaper is printed. Uh, this is where you can go to you know, the printing office and buy quills and ink and paper. There are words everywhere. And words are the key to trying to understand the world around you and whether this move to independence might also apply to you if you're enslaved. Um, and I think, you know, if, you, if somebody or some buddies in this household can read and write, do you convey the information faster through the enslaved community? And while all these discussions are going on, Eve's life is whatever Betty Randolph tells her it mm -hmm. is. And that's, I think, one of the kind of the haunting points, not being able to do anything for herself, mm -hmm. that she's got to do whatever she is told to do. Mm -hmm. I think she would have slept in the main house. Her son would have been back in one of the quarters mm -hmm. area. That way, if anything is needed during the night, she's right there. Mm -hmm. Like her own room? Um, probably or? in the hallway. Again, it's, it's a tiny little space. There are some rolled up pallets in a couple spots in the upstairs um, to indicate that they could be rolled out at night and wow. an enslaved person could sleep there. Betty had a room at the back of the house called Mrs. Randolph's Closet. And that was really her office. She's got a desk there. She's got um, a bookcase um, and actually this covered walkway connects to her closet hmm. so she could sit in her closet and hear what's going on down the covered walkway hear what's going on in the upstairs part of the house and Eve would have been in and out of this closet you kind of get this picture of Betty Randolph placing herself central to the house she's watching everything with <laughs> Hawkeyes there's even a window that um, is a mirrored window so she can look out and watch everybody and they can't see when she's there I mean mm -hmm. uh, Julie Richter believes she would have been a very difficult person to work for yeah but what are your options she could run it's harder for enslaved women to run they're not on the road as often as enslaved men and enslaved boys, she would have drawn more attention mm. if she had tried to run. Then, actual rebellion breaks out. North in Massachusetts, some crazy skirmishes at Lexington and Concord, up the ante of this <laughs> potential revolution, and a second Continental Congress is called, which Randolph presides over again. <laughs> it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> I mean, we know George Washington had dinner here many times. Thomas Jefferson as well, as Jefferson was one of Randolph's cousins. The conversation just would have flowed. You know, the, the enslaved are in there, but I don't think you 
they didn't give thought as to what might happen with the information that they talked about. Yeah. Um, George With, who was Thomas Jefferson's law teacher, um, had meals here. So anybody who was in the upper leadership of Virginia sorting through what was going on and why was England changing how they were treating Virginia and the other colonies would have been in this space eating and then after dinner you know they would have gone to this corner room here that was Peyton Randolph's library and more conversation so just the ideas that were expressed in this house and his neighbor down the street his excellency the right honorable John Earl Dunmore the governor of Virginia <laughs> he says liberty huh Two can play at that game. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Girls Can Crate. At Girls Can Crate, our mission is to inspire girls to believe that they can be and do anything by celebrating fearless women who have helped make the world better. Girls Can Crate is a unique subscription box. Every crate features an inspiring woman and her own unique story, a 28-page activity book, plus everything you would need to complete two or three hands-on team activities and more. In addition to the digital subscriptions, if you're on a budget, they have mini mailers and then the full crates, which come out every month. Check them out. They are really amazing. Girls Can Crate, C-R-A-T-E dot com. And enter the code HERNAME, all one word to get 20% off your first month's crate. Or if you're doing a digital subscription, you'll get a buy one, get one free. Check them out now at girlscancrate, C-R-A-T-E dot com. Make sure you use the coupon code HERNAME, all caps, so that they know we sent you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, I have to take a second to describe Lord Dunmore because what a character. He, uh, you can't make him up. <laughs> Scottish Highlander, blazing red hair, always wears a kilt, rough and rugged, and, and he's living in the land of posh aristocrats, right? He's yeah. a governor living in a mansion. He decorated the entryway of the governor's mansion, absolutely blanketed the entryway with weapons. <laughs> and that tells you the gist of what you need to know right. about Lord Dunmore. <laughs> wow. And in 1775, he issued a proclamation. Let me read the key parts mm. to you. I do require every person capable of bearing arms to report to his majesty's standard or be looked upon as traitors. And I do hereby further declare all indentured servants, negroes, and others appertaining to rebels free 
that are able and willing to bear arms, they join His Majesty's troops as soon as may be, for the more speedily reducing this colony to a proper sense of their duty to His Majesty's crown and dignity. Wow. <laughs> it's not that the idea of running to gain your freedom just came to people in November 1775. It's more that there was a perhaps a more solid path yeah. to being able to actually seize your freedom and then keep it. So, all of the people there at the Peyton Randolph house who have lived together for their whole lives, they have a choice to make. And I mean, I think, you know, once the Randolphs are tucked in for the night, they're going to go back to the further part of the, the property, the places that, you know, Peyton and Betty Randolph never went. And there are going to be some deep, serious conversations taking place outside. What seems the best path for safety, mm. freedom, yeah. a life worth living? I can see really not being sure. I mean, it sounds great, but what if you get caught? What if he yeah. gets, you know, removed and suddenly you're shipped to Louisiana, you yeah, know, I mean. exactly. It, do you even trust him? Yeah. Maybe you just run to him and then he sells you in the Caribbean. Yeah, and... maybe this crazy guy in a kilt is just yeah. making a lot of money, yeah. you know. How do you know which way is the best way? Yeah. Ugh, I can't imagine making those choices. Yeah. In 1775, after he issued this proclamation, Virginia's leaders uh, try to discredit him and they even have um, a well-known barber, uh, Caesar Hope. They have him make a statement that he doesn't trust the governor. Oh. Um, so there's this undercurrent. If you ran, you had to get to Norfolk, Virginia, which was where Lord Dunmore had ships waiting. Virginia's got a really weird geography that makes it challenging to get to a place on the other side of the James River. Mm in the 18th century. So you would have needed probably about 30 miles down to a potential crossing of the James River. It's a difficult trip mm. in the 18th century. Thousands across the South escaped to Lord Dunmore. Wow. But neither Eve nor anyone in her household ran. Hmm. Maybe they were pinning their hopes on Virginia changing its laws once it gained independence. You know, this community would have known about the discussions down at the Capitol. They knew that once Virginia became independent, they'd have to rewrite all the laws. Mm. Maybe they thought, that's our ticket to, to real freedom. Hmm. I think there were glimmers of hope that Virginia's slave laws would be revised. And we do know that there were discussions, um, again this is from letters that Thomas Jefferson wrote, and the, the short answer is that the men revising the laws did not end slavery in Virginia. And those who'd run to Lord Dunmore? If they were with the British Army when they evacuated from New York City, they were taken to Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. They did gain their freedom. 
they got away. Ugh. And in the midst of all of this, Peyton Randolph, the founding father of America, the leader of everything, the one who hadn't quite yet declared which way the revolution should go. He mm. was a centering figure. He fell ill. Mm. The death of the white people in your household meant that change was coming and change that you might not be able to do anything about. He left George and Eve to his wife Betty in his will and mm. and so she promptly had to write a will of her own in 1780. Mm. And she took the enslaved community that was bequeathed to her by her husband and then divided the community up among her nieces and nephews. And this is where I kind of come back to my point that I think Eve could read. Um, remember, she's Betty's personal attendant. I think she looked at the will. Mm. 1780, she doesn't have a lot of options. Even if she could convince Mrs. Randolph to emancipate her, as it was legal, you could emancipate a slave, but the, it's a very long process that might not work. So gaining her freedom is, through her master, is not really on the, on the table. Painful possibilities in the midst of a war that just rages on. I see her as very astute. Once she is a mother, She's really got to follow what Betty Randolph instructs her to do so something does not happen to her family. And she may well have had an older child, too, who could have been here. We just know about George, that if she defies Betty Randolph, George could be sold, George could be moved to Charles City County, George could be moved to one of the nearby plantations. Betty has full control over that. Eve can do nothing. Mm. She wants more. You know, she's tired of this. And then, five years later, it's 1781, things are looking pretty bad for the rebels and the British General Cornwallis occupied Williamsburg. Hmm. Lord Dunmore's declaration still applies. Hmm. It still is a possibility. In the middle of she... the war. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to run away, what better time to go than at this stage? And... I think the enslaved community on this property and everywhere else in Williamsburg had been talking about running to the British since 1775. I, can, I just can't even imagine how emotional some of these conversations were. Because if you make this choice, you believe and hope you will succeed, which means you will never see the rest of the people you've lived and labored with. As the British are literally marching down the street in Williamsburg, she's watching mm. and she's thinking hard. Mm. She just walked 
right out the gate. standing it still it gives me chills right now just talking about it just when you picture it you think like under cover of darkness Mm. they're sneaking out but this is not that the british are marching (laughs) down the street she's standing at the gate she's watching and she goes it's now yeah it's never and she goes wow walk out the back and kind of blend into this group of people at the back of the British Army as they're leaving Williamsburg and heading towards Yorktown. And you know she was she was bold. She she walked out, she took her son. This is and for her and, and the others who went, this was their moment to seize their independence. She's astute. She understands what she has to do to protect what family she has. And she, she chose, I think, her best, the best opportunity she had to seize her freedom. Well, and maybe that we have no way of knowing if she could have left before that with her child, right? That yeah. there's a long history of making sure that you your child is inaccessible to you so mm-hmm. that to make sure you don't leave. Yeah. And maybe it takes until the army's marching down the street for people not to be paying attention mm-hmm. to her and her to be able to leave. Yeah, and there's, and I also, part of me puts the pieces together thinking like, she didn't go the first time and then thought, man, I missed my chance. Mm. If I ever have a chance again, I'm going to do it. And this is the second chance. I yeah. don't know. Oh, wish, there's so many pieces. I wish we knew. Yeah. Here is a, a crazy part of the story that we do have evidence of. In Betty Randolph's inventory, like in her household records, <laughs> in her own handwriting, Next to Eve's name in her list of property, next Uh. to Eve's name, she wrote, gone to the enemy. (laughs) (laughs) And George, too, gone to the enemy. Wow. Johnny, Betty the cook. (laughs) Eight of them ran. Wow. Her phrasing of that, to me, means that she understood that her slaves chose to do this, that they seized their freedom. We don't know the details of what happened next. Mm. They're trying to get to British ships. Mm. White men would be formed into a slave patrol Mm. and would be rewarded for bringing back a runaway slave. 
And we do know that she must have been very recognizable as mm. Betty Randolph's personal slave. Like, Betty Randolph is the celebrity of celebrities. Right. It's possible somebody in the Yorktown area recognized her. After all, she and she was identified and captured. Oh! Betty, I think, was just deeply troubled by this woman whom I think she imagined she had cared for and had treated well mm -hmm. would leave her. And Betty amends her will. Writes that um, because of Eve's bad behavior, she must sell her. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. So at that point, Eve's story is I don't know I don't know where she was sold, but she, you know her attempt to get her freedom. Yeah, I mean this bold decision to take what she was never going to be given, and then she was close. Oh, what, what happened to George? We don't know. Oh, we don't know. And I, the way I want the story to go is that somehow her being captured saved him somehow. Mm -hmm. There's no record of him returning and being sold by Betty. Yeah, maybe if, if she's the recognizable one and yeah. he's an anonymous kid, then yeah. they just grabbed her. He may have gotten away. I know. Mm. And... The money from the sale of Eve <sighs> was used to purchase an enslaved girl and boy. Oh. I know, it just hurts. Like, there's no words. <sighs> so, it's, there's just so much that happened here. What happened to Eve? What happened next? Uh. We'll probably never know. But her experience of the American Revolution is so personal, mm. so high stakes, and so wrenching. I'm going to put it at the center of my discussions of the American Revolution yeah. in future classes. I mean, she brings it all into a new kind of focus. Mm. And to me, her choices were just as brave yeah. as any of the founding fathers. Oh, absolutely. Her, her boldness mm. to see the opportunity to do something for herself when she had spent her life pushing what she wanted to do aside for the benefit of her child. And that she finally, she, she had the opportunity to do something for herself and her child and she took it.
Special thanks to Julie Richter at Colonial Williamsburg. To see the Peyton Randolph House for yourself and even meet a reenactor of Eve, visit our website, whatshernamepodcast.com, where we will link you to a free virtual tour of the Peyton Randolph House, recently released by Colonial Williamsburg. Thanks to my audio techs on site, Shelby Durant and Madison Miles, and my student assistants, Branson Ellison, Kat Wilson, and Maria Volkanova. Music for this episode was provided by the Traveler Home Singers, the Lincoln Park Singers, Kevin McLeod, the U.S. Marine Band, Philip Cerna, the Tower of Light, and Chris Zabriskie. And our theme song was composed by Daniel Foster Smith. We have so much gratitude for all of our sponsors. You can become a sponsor for as little as a buck a month, and participating at different levels gets you lots of prizes like trading cards, subversive cross-stitch patterns, stickers, and more. Visit our website, whatshernamepodcast.com, and click on Donate. Thank you so much for spreading the word about the podcast. Word of mouth is the only way that we have grown. Thanks for donating. Thanks for listening. Registration is now open on What's Your Name's Yucatan Tour 2024. Join us in Mexico as we walk in the footsteps of Zazel Ha, learn traditional Mayan cooking, tour Mayan ruins, snorkel with sea turtles, and so many more off-the-beaten-track adventures with our wonderful little band of kindred spirits. Spots are going fast, so sign up now on our website at whatsyournamepodcast.com. We can't wait to see you there. <laughs>